Thank you for checking out the Real Life Columbus podcast. Real Life Columbus is a student ministry of North Highland Church in Columbus, Georgia. We exist to help students know that Christ has reached down to us with love, provide a place students can be engaged in community, and help them advance in their faith so they can lead others to Christ. For more information or to connect with us, please visit our website, www.realifecolumbus.com, or check us out on social media at Real Life Columbus. God, tonight we recognize that there's a multitude of needs in this room. God, we recognize that our families are going through it. There's stories upon story upon story in this room where where the attack of the enemy has destroyed. There's, There's broken hearts in this room because of what the enemy has tried to do in our families. God, and tonight is the night we draw a line in the sand and say no more. Tonight is the night where we refuse to be defeated. We refuse to back down. We refuse to not go on the offensive and take back which the enemy has stolen from our families. God, I pray that the anointing of heaven that's been on this service would flow and continue into the spoken word that is capable to pierce us at our very core. God, we ask that you would right now begin to break down walls and barriers. God, if there's callousness and hardness in our hearts because of the pain that we've endured because of our families, God, we ask that you would begin to melt our hearts right now. We pray for a spirit of forgiveness to flow into this room, a spirit of grace, a spirit of love, a spirit of mercy. And God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that he who the Son has set free will be free indeed. So I speak freedom and liberation over every student in this room. And I pray that they would be ambassadors of your kingdom to their families. God, if they have darkness in their home, God, they would bring the light of Christ into that darkness. And that your love would be exposed. God, we give you our everything this evening. We thank you for this time where you've met with us. We give you our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. You are awesome. I love this place. I love this ministry. I love my Jesus. How about you? God is good. Tonight's all about family. We're going to get into the word. Let's have your attention. Um, Tonight's message touches every single one of us because none of us are exempt. We all got a mom and a dad. So we all got a family of some, some kind, amen? Tonight, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 25. We'll have it on the screen in just a second. But I want to start this evening off with a very simple but powerful truth tonight. We are all called by God to our families. All of us are called to our families. Jubilee and I strongly believe That as Christians, we're called to be obedient to God first and foremost. Above anything else, we are obedient to God. There are very few things, get this, very few things in this world and in this lifetime that we have absolutely no choice or no control over. The first is your name. My name is Jonathan. And uh, that means God's gracious gift. I'm sorry, I didn't name myself. That's just the way God did it. I'm sorry. Um, How many Jonathans we got in the room tonight? I I know we we got a couple Jonathans in the room. You are God's gracious gift. Praise the Lord. Can I get an amen, Jonathan? 
Where's Gordon? Gordon's in here. I saw him. Anyways, our name. You were named something, and you had no control over it. And the second thing is the family that you were born into. You have absolutely no say or control into what family you are born into. Your mom, your dad, you don't have a choice, obviously. You were born into the family that you are in because God has called you to them. Do you understand that God has called you to your brother or your sister? God has called you to your mom and your dad. Let me be, let me be very clear from the very get-go. We are not called to abuse. Let me say it one more time. There's a room full of young people who have had experiences that they should never have had in their lives because we're not called to abuse. We are not called to all pain. I've, I've got a friend, his name is Justin, and, and he grew up, um, every once in a while you'll see him do a Periscope devotion at 7 a.m. He's an awesome man of God. He's a youth pastor now in Miami, but he grew up in, in a foster care home and group homes, going from home to home, house to house, neglected, nobody cared about him, he was angry, he just went through hell on earth as a young child, and he didn't deserve that. Um, I had a friend when Jubilee and I were at Lee University, her name's Lacey, and she literally was like a modern-day Cinderella. Her parents kept her locked up at, at her house all through elementary school. She was never educated all the way through elementary school and even into middle school. She had zero education. And all she was was a rag doll that was used and abused to do chores and to do whatever the ugly stepmom said. It was literally a Cinderella story. And she never deserved that. So I want to be very clear. My wife was beaten and in and out of battered women's shelters from her stepfather who had a chemical imbalance and went crazy on the family and literally almost killed them. And I'm not saying that we're called to that. I want you to be very clear in understanding. Abuse is not what you're called to, but you are called to your family. The pain that comes as a result of someone else's sin is pain God never intended for you to feel. Many times family drama hurts. Broken homes break our hearts. Sibling rivalry gets under our skin. Sib brothers and sisters, can I get an amen? amen? I was the youngest in my family. I've got two older brothers, and they are six and eight years older than I am. And uh, my, my brother, get this, when I was young, my middle brother, Eric, he's six years older than I am. He would invite his best friend over to the house all the time. His name was Chucky. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> Creepy from the get-go. And Eric and his best friend Chucky loved to create pretend weapons and practice on their little brother in the backyard behind the garage. It was crazy. Um, they would do that little thing where, where you know, you, you sneak up behind somebody and you kneel behind them and the other person gives them a good shove and you just fall back flat on your back and knock your head and your, the wind gets knocked out of your chest and you're just like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? That's what my brother would do all the time. And get this, literally, they would begin, Eric would have Chucky hold my arms because I was a little scrawny dude. Come on now. I've grown up. I'm a grown man now, but I was scrawny then. Yeah. Yeah. I got a knife. I'm, ju I'm just kidding. Um, but Chucky would hold my arms, and Eric would literally take a stick and begin to beat me with it. 
And I was like, oh, this is fun. I get to play with my older brother. This is awesome. Until the stick whacked me across the face. And I'm like, oh, man, there's some blood. What is that? And I start crying. And as soon as I start crying, Eric is like, oh, shh, shh, shh. It's okay. It's okay. I love you. I love you. I love you. You're so great, Jonathan. I love you so much. No, shh, shh, shh. Just be quiet. If you be quiet and stop crying, I'll let you spend the night tomorrow. Come on now. Shh. I'll let you sleep over. I love you, little brother. I love And, of course, I'm like, oh, okay, I love you too, Eric. I'm like, come on now. This is my life. This is a funny story, and it's very true. My brother to this day tries to deny it, and it is true. I put my hand on God's word and say it is true. I, I, I relive it in my nightmares. It's true. But there is not a single family that does not have some form of dysfunction in it. Not a single one is absent of dysfunction. You're not alone if you have a difficult family life. Even Jesus himself had a messed up situation. When Jesus, Jesus was about your age, probably between the age of 11 and 13, 14, somewhere in there, Jesus lost his father Joseph. So it was just Jesus and Mary and the brothers. He had brothers who didn't believe in him. Jesus' brothers mocked him and said, who do you think you are? You're not the son of God. And his family was so messed up. When he was being hung on a cross, his brothers were not there. And Jesus had to ask one of his disciples to take care of his mother Mary. A job that they should have been doing. That's how messed up and dysfunctional even our Lord and Savior's family was. So you're not alone. See, if the enemy can, can destroy our families, then he can isolate us and get us alone and vulnerable. And at that point, we don't have the support and he can take you and me out. We need the support of our family. That's a reason why we're called to it. Me and my brother, obviously, we don't always see eye to eye. Now I'm a grown man and he's a little scared of me because I can defend myself. But he's, he's a conspiracy theorist. He, he thinks the worst of everything. He's afraid of everything. And I'm the type of person, I, I want to think the best of every situation. And I want to see the light at the end of the tunnel, even if it's a dark situation. I want to see the hope in it. And so when we get together and we start talking about things, it's like sandpaper. We rub each other the wrong way. And it is just hard to get along with him. He thinks... He, he wants life to be comfortable and normal, and I want life to be an adventure and crazy and, and just haphazard sometimes. I want to go do crazy things and, and live life to the fullest. And he's like, man, I want my house, and I want to live five miles from my parents, and I don't want to go anywhere else. And I'm like, man, let's do this. And so we don't think the same, but, but here's the thing. I try to keep peace with him, and I try to see things from his point of view because there is power available to us in walking in our calling in our family. There's power when we try to work together. See, we can endure the pain of family dysfunction if we have an assurance that God has called us to it. If we know that we know that we know that God has called us to our families, we can endure some of the pain of the dysfunction that we live in. As, as the youngest son, my family, in, in my family, I learned not to make some of the same mistakes that my older brothers made. They did some dumb stuff. <laughs> One time my parents were out of town and they threw a huge party 
and trashed the house. There was alcohol, and my dad was a pastor at the time. And they stained the couch. They made a mess. The floors were nasty. There were, they didn't even get rid of the trash bags correctly. It was like the trash bags were in the back. And it's like, come on now, guys. Two plus two. Mom and dad are going to go look and see what, what's in those trash bags. Come on. And so I learned a lot from my knucklehead brothers. Tonight, I want us to learn from a dysfunctional example found in the family of Isaac and Rebecca and the relationship between two brothers who were twins, Jacob and Esau. So Genesis chapter 25, it says this in verse 27. It says, the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. While Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents, he was a housekeeper, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, Isaac was the dad, loved Esau. But Rebekah loved Jacob. The mom loved Jacob. Jacob was a mama's boy. He loved to cook in the kitchen. And Esau was a man's man who went hunting with dad. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I am famished. Jacob, being the smart deceiver that he is, replied, first, sell me your birthright. What does that mean, sell me your birthright? It means sell me your future. Sell me your inheritance. Sell me the benefits of being the firstborn son. Y'all have had this happen to you at some form. Your sibling has sold you out. Dysfunction at its core. Man, it's happened to me over and over. The story goes on. It says, look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me if I'm dead? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some of the lentil soup. He ate and he drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Esau despised his rightful place in the family. He despised his calling. The birthright was the blessing passed down from the patriarch of the family. It was dad blessing the firstborn son before he passes away. And Esau gave it up. The scripture over and over, and all of our Jewish friends will constantly quote the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Have you heard that before? I, I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It should be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But in this instant, for a cup of soup, Esau gave it up. Tonight I've come to tell you, young men, that every son has a deep desire to receive his father's approval. Every, every young man in this room, whether you want to agree with me or not, deep within you, if you recognize it or not, there is a deep, overwhelming desire that motivates your actions for your father's approval in this life. Your dad may be a deadbeat dad. Your dad may not have spoken to you in years, but there is a desire deep within you to get your father's approval. You may put up a front. You may care. You may act like you don't care, but you desire it. I say this so confidently because I know it to be true of my life. When I played basketball in high school, I loved to play the game, but every single night where we had a home game, it was my deepest desire, even though I didn't 
act like it, even though every time I got a chance, I tried to be away from the house. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You try to do whatever you can. You'll be up at the church when nothing's going on just to get out of the church. Can I get an amen? This is where y'all can respond. It is, it, you, sometimes you just want to get out of the house. That was me. My mom would complain and, oh, honey, I just want you to bring your friends over. I'm like, mom, I don't want my friends over. Y'all are crazy up in here. Right? And I'm like that. That's how I was. But every home game, I'm looking in the stands, hoping that my dad would be in the stands to cheer me on. And the, there was only a handful, less than five games, that my dad was there to watch me play. And one of them, he had to be there because it would have been so embarrassing for him not to walk with me on senior night. And so that one didn't even count to me because it's like, Dad, you had to be here. And I know this resonates with you, young men, because deep within you, you have a desire for your father's approval. And Esau traded it for a bowl of soup and a piece of bread. See, I've come to explain to you tonight that we trade our family relationships for what is simply not worth it. We trade the relationships that we're called to for stuff that's not worth it. America used to care about family. We used to value family heritage. A bowl of soup was not worth a destroyed relationship between twins that they once shared everything. Popularity with people you very well may not see again after graduation is not worth disowning and destroying the family relationships that God has placed you in and called you to be in. Just because you want to be the most popular kid on campus does not mean you disown your family. The story was the beginning, get this, of a huge war that was being waged between Jacob and Esau. I want to tell you tonight that how you treat your family will have generational consequences. How you treat your family will have generational consequences. Young person, you may not watch the news much, but the wars and the conflicts that are still being waged in the Middle East... The innocent lives that are being taken because of rockets being launched into civilian territories, all of it stems from this deception between Jacob and Esau. This was the beginning of the war in Palestine. This mistreatment of family has been the cause of war for generations, and the consequences will probably last until Jesus comes and fixes it all. It's been thousands of years. And I believe God is calling us to have this relationship goal when it comes to our families. Real life, this is the goal. Let's deal with our family problems now so that we don't have to live them over and over again in the near future. Our goal for our family relationships should be to deal with the stuff that we're going through now so we don't have to relive it when we have our own children. Generational curses are going to be broken tonight by the power of Jesus' name. You don't have to be the same as your family. Someone needs to be inspired to stop giving up on the family you've been called to. It may look tough, it may look impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. The, the divorce, the paperwork may be signed, but I have seen with my eyes divorced couples get remarried and live the rest of their lives together. God is above divorce. God can reestablish brokenness. He, he's an expert at putting things back together that are broken. That's what he's done with my life. It's 
what he's done with your life, and he can do it with your family. See, tonight, if you are not proud of your family heritage, God has placed you there to transform the family and not to dismiss it or remove yourself from it. God has placed you specifically in the exact family that you're in to transform it. That's your calling. I believe that if you will hold on to God, trust him in the confusion that you're in, and pray for the ones who you're called to, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, pray for the ones who have caused you the most grief and pain in this lifetime, then God will use you to transform what's happening in our families. I believe that. You're not the only one going through the pain of family problems. The dysfunction gets worse as, as this story continues. The scripture describes Isaac's eyes as weak. Isaac is the dad. And that description means he's literally blind and he's about to pass away. And so this is what happens in Genesis 27 verse 5. It says, now Rebekah, the mom, was listening to Isaac, the dad. And Isaac spoke to his son Esau, the favorite firstborn of Isaac. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. And this is what the mom says. Listen to the deception and dysfunction. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you to do. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. And Jacob says, what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and he would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing because Esau was a hairy man. <laughs> Jacob was a mama's boy. He had smooth hands. Come on now. He, he didn't know what it meant. He didn't have workers' hands. He had those soft, nice hands, right? The Pastor Jonathan hands, not the Gabe Wheelis hands. That, I mean, I'm just saying. I ain't got no man hands. I'm trying, working out, but it's not working. And, and the mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say and go do it for me. So the mom comes up with this deceptive plan to get Jacob the blessing instead of Esau while Esau's gone. I'm going to invite the band to come. Please hear me out tonight, young person. Parents are not perfect. I'm going to say that one more time because I feel like you believe that. Parents are not perfect. Jesus had imperfect parents and so do I. They make mistakes. They sometimes hurt us. But listen very closely, our parents love us more than anyone else on the face of this planet. No matter how bad they've hurt you, no matter how many mistakes they've made, they love you more than anyone else on the face of this planet. I speak that from experience. I've not been a perfect father to my children, but there is nothing that I wouldn't do to love them and care for them. I would lay down my life for my children. And I would be very comfortable with saying the same of your parents. Isaac's eyes were weak, the scripture says. So he was blind to some things. 
I want to tell you tonight that just because your parents may not see the things that we see does not remove the fact that they have and they hold the blessing of your future. Isaac may not have seen everything the way that everyone else could see, but he held the blessing. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is this, if you honor your father and mother so that it may, well go, it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Scripture's black and white about this. Honor your father and mother. Malachi chapter 4 verse 6, the last scripture in the Old Testament says that the hearts of the children need to turn to the hearts of the fathers. And if that happens, the hearts of the fathers will turn to the children and there will be a blessing. But it also warns us that if that doesn't happen, there will be a curse. So we have to honor our parents, no matter what faults and failures they may have. Technology may not be your parents' forte or expertise. We may use Twitter or Snapchat to avoid Facebook because they don't understand it like we do. Amen. Our parents may have no clue what you're saying when you say their outfit is five. Or their eyebrows, mom, your eyebrows are on fleet, girl. She may look at you like, what did you just say? Stop cursing in my house, right? Can I get an amen? Your parents may not appreciate how Taylor Swift slayed on vocals at the Grammys. They may not appreciate it. They may be blind to it. But get this. The fact remains that they have two to three times the life experience and wisdom that you do. Two to three times at least. And you need to honor them for your future's sake. Because scripture's clear, if you honor them, you will live a long and good life. I don't know about you, but I want a good life and a long one. See, it's not your... Listen to this very closely and carefully because I've made this mistake. It is not your job to teach your parents or to correct them. Your job is to honor them by walking in forgiveness and grace when they make mistakes. They might just hear your voice if you respect and hear theirs. Can I say that? I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but your parents might just hear your voice if you hear theirs and respect them. If we don't begin to forgive our parents of their shortcomings, their faults, their failures, and how they've hurt us at our core, then the things we hate about our parents will eventually become a part of our own lives. The things that we despise about my dad, there's things that I wish that he would have done differently in my life. But if I don't walk in forgiveness and grace and love him despite his shortcomings, the very things that I hated about him, I will become as a father. I don't want that in my life. How you treat your parents will be how your children treat you. You're a handful, guess what? You're about to have a handful when you have kids. You got a smart mouth with mom and dad? You're going to have a smart mouth little brat. You reap what you sow. Come on now. If that's not motivation in itself, you better get ready. <laughs> Sophia is just like her mommy. Oh, my gosh. She is just like her mommy in a good way. 
Seriously, listen to this. Unforgiveness and anger was sown into Jacob and Esau's relationship. And unforgiveness and anger is still alive and active in Palestine, Iraq, and in the Middle East thousands of years later. Dysfunction can't control your life anymore if it's forgiven. Can I say that one more time? Dysfunction can't control your life if it's forgiven. I had a conversation with my friend Justin that I mentioned. His story is heartbreaking. But I I was there for the moment where his life changed and transformed. I was there and God used me as a mouthpiece in his life to say this is what's wrong. This is why you're angry. This is what needs to change in your life. And something clicked. The Holy Spirit literally melted the hardness of his heart. And he said, you're right. And he took a turn and he walked in the opposite direction. And I asked him, I said, Justin, how do you live day to day now in freedom? When for so many years you were bound because of the dysfunction and the heartache and the pain that your family caused you. And he told me, he said, Pastor Jonathan, I forgave them. I let it go. And once I let it go, it had no hold of my life anymore. Tonight you've been wondering how in the world are you going to fix the problem with your family? How in the world are you going to fix your parents' relationship? How in the world are you going to fix the anger and the hatred between you and your brother or your sister? I got the answer. Forgiveness. You got to let it go. You begin to let things go, and it will stop having a hold of your life. So right now, I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one talking, no one being a distraction. You're in this room tonight, and and you would say, Pastor Jonathan, you talk about family, and I've got a biological family, but, but I don't have a spiritual father in my life. I don't have the love of Jesus in my heart. I want a relationship with my heavenly father. I want to be a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ. There's sin in my life, and I've been so far from a relationship with God that tonight, first and foremost, before I get anything right with my biological family, I've got to be a part of the family of God. I've got to confess there's sin in my heart and there's sin in my life, and I want to release it to God, and I want to release it to the cross of Calvary, and I want the blood of Jesus to cover my sin, and I want my relationship with Jesus to be made right tonight. I want you to raise your hand and hold it high right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, this is your moment. You want your family situation to be fixed. It's not going to get fixed until your relationship with God comes first. So if if you haven't raised your hand yet, you need to raise it high right now. And we're going to pray, and Jesus is going to forgive you of your sin, and you're going to restore the relationship you've been called to. Jesus said that I have called no one to perish, but for all to have eternal life. And all you have to do is accept him as your Lord and Savior. So one last chance, if that's you tonight and you want a relationship with him, you want to be forgiven, slip your hand right now and hold it high. Thank you, God. I want everybody in this place to repeat after me loudly and proudly, dear Jesus, we love you tonight. Thank you for what you did on the cross. I believe that you're the son of God, that you took my penalty on that cross. 
and that you rose again on the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave, defeating my sin, defeating my imperfection, purifying my sin. Cleanse me, God, of all unrighteousness. Forgive me right now. Release me from condemnation. God, we ask for grace. We ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet and praise God right now. Adult leaders, come quickly right now to the front. Praise God. This is what we're going to do. We're about to worship. But I believe very strongly that there is a multitude of people. Come on, adult leaders, come for prayer. There's a multitude of people in this room where your relationship with a family member is strained. And there is strife, there's tension, there's dysfunction. That Maybe it's your parents are on the brink of divorce. And now is the time that you need to get so frustrated with that. Now is the time that you need to begin to make war in the heavenlies for your family. Now is the time. And, and here's what we're going to do. If, if you need prayer for a family situation that is breaking your heart and you need somebody, we are here for you right now. I'm going to pray one last time. We're going to worship. And y'all are going to come. But here's the thing. If you are in conflict with your sibling and they're in this room tonight, before you walk out these doors, my challenge to you is this. Do not walk out of these doors without making things right with your sibling. Do not walk out of these doors. If your mom or dad is in this place, do not leave the church property without going to them and saying, Dad, I forgive you. They may not be asking for forgiveness, but you watch and you see. When you begin to release forgiveness and grace and mercy, the breakthrough is coming. So God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we submit our families to you tonight. God, we ask that you would begin to apply the balm of Gilead over all the wounds, all the pain, all the dysfunction, God, all the hurt that's in our lives. We got, we ask that you would have your way in this place, in these altars, in these next few moments, in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, right now, let's, let's go after it. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. Sing that again, you unravel, you unravel me with a melody you surround
child of God. The last thing we're going to do, you're called to your biological family, but you're also called to this family. This is your family because the same blood that was spilled for me was spilled for you. That makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible says that when one part suffers, we all suffer. That when one part is celebrated, we should all celebrate. And so tonight, the last thing I'm going to challenge you to do, if you've got some tension between one of your brothers and sisters in this room, you better get it fixed right now. Because we are called to be a family. We're called to be unified. And when we are unified, we will be a force to be reckoned with for the kingdom. So if you need to get something right, we ask that you would do so in the spirit of forgiveness. Forgive even if it's not asked for tonight. I'm going to pray, and if you need prayer, we're still going to be up here, and we're still going to keep worshiping. But that's my final challenge, is let's get our family issues Let's not let real life be a dysfunctional family. Come on now. Let's not let real life be a dysfunctional family. Come on. God, right now, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the freedom that you're releasing in our lives. God, have your way in this family. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
Just as I am.